Uh, this morning, let's go to Luke, chapter number 1. And today, our focus will be on verse number 48. But I'm going to read 46 all the way through verse 55. This section of Mary's declaration in reference to what the Lord had done. Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he had regard for this, the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. A little bit of an unusual passage to spend Christmas time on, but a perfect passage because it's all about giving glory to the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. That's our focus. And so we're going to uh, spend some time there. Join me in prayer first. Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that we have received from your hand. We can be grateful for a new day. We can be grateful for the provisions of our day. We can be grateful for the air we breathe and the, the ability to get up and around to attend our fellowship here this morning and sing together in song. We could thank you for so, so many things. But we thank you for your Son, the one you gave to us at this time of year we celebrate, the coming of Christ for the first time, and what joy it does bring to our hearts. As your followers, we long for his coming again, as he has promised. We long for that day when he shall come and take us to be with himself, and there shall we ever be with our Lord. In the meantime, Lord, we can spend time in your word we could soak it in and we could enjoy what it says. And it could challenge our hearts. It could change us. We know that. It has done magnificent things for us to this day. And we anticipate even in this next uh, 40 minutes or so we spend in your word. You're at work. And when you work, great things are done. And we pray that that might be true in our own hearts, in our lives, even this morning as we spend time with you. With your word open in front of us and our minds set on it, challenge us, change us, make us more like Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This verse, verse 48, he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. This is not exactly an announcement, but I believe the Hillsdale Christian School has a Christmas program this week. It's on Thursday. Am I right? Thursday, yes. Yesterday, uh, Royce and Josh and I were helping out setting up some of the props up on the stage and, and the backdrops and such like that. Uh, and uh, we constructed Noah's Ark. I thought, well, that's interesting. Uh, you might be asking, what does Noah's Ark have to do with the Christmas program? And according to Renee, you have to be there to find out. 
that's going to be very interesting. But I thought, well, it was kind of funny to me when, when the Noah's Ark was being put together, how the, I was already thinking of having Noah in my Christmas sermon today. Since they could do that here, we could do it here too, right? So uh, we're going to put Noah in a little bit this morning. And actually start there, if you will. Join me in Genesis chapter 6. <coughs> Genesis chapter number 6. Starting in verse number 5, I'm going to read uh, three or four verses here. <coughs> Genesis 6, 5. It says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What a, a horrid little verse that is. The nature of man, what he thought, what he did, all day long, all the time. I have written in pencil right above that, this is the definition of depravity. If you ever want to know what it looks like, that's it. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. How does one qualify to be the captain of the USS Ark? Or maybe it's HMS Ark, His Majesty's Service. Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor. Why? Well, if you scan down just another verse, it kind of helps us understand this a little bit more. This is a record of the generations of Noah. Verse number 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. I suggest to you something that's uh, not written here, but certainly appropriate. Uh, you may say it's written in somewhere in between the lines here. Noah was a humble man. How would I know that? Am I just stretching, coming up with strange ideas? Back in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 34, the amplified version reads this. Though he scoffs at the scoffers and scorns at the scorners, yet he gives him his undeserved favor to the low, the humble, and the afflicted. At least twice that same verse is quoted in the New Testament. And it's the way that you've heard it before. The book of James writes it this way, in verse, chapter 4, verse 6. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Peter picks it up later in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, and he says, God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. Grace is the same word that we get favor from in the Greek. He gives it to the humble according to what we have just heard out of those verses in Proverbs. He stands opposed to the proud. That's the contrast. Now, to stand opposed to the proud paints a, a very fascinating, actually very intimidating picture 
from the Greek term for that word, the proud would come forward and they would find God standing there in battle, in battle um, stance, ready and willing to strike the proud to the earth. Noah could not have walked with God with a proud heart. God is opposed to the proud. He could not have uh, been considered righteous or considered blameless in that kind of a condition. I suggest he's a humble man because he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it's sad to say that uh, God panned over the occupants of the earth in that day And there was only one man qualified. One man qualified to serve in building that ark. Just one. Let's tie these thoughts into our study of Mary's declaration today in Luke chapter number 1. For he has regarded the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, All generations will count me blessed. I suppose that there are many who might think that Mary's humble state was that of poverty. That her humble state was that condition she had on the level of a peasant. Now I would think there were probably many poor and many peasants in Mary's day. And if that was the qualification... To become the mother of Jesus Christ, the Lord had many candidates to choose from. There were many poor and peasants in their day. What would be the qualifications the Lord would look for as he panned out over the occupants of the earth? Well, we know for sure sure that he would have chosen a Jew. It was prophetic, right? The Lord had said that uh, his Messiah would be born as an Israelite, according to prophecy. So that narrows down our search a little bit, now doesn't it? Obviously, you have to choose a female. I mean, that really doesn't need to be explained here, but Jewish women for centuries had hoped that maybe they would be the one chosen. There would certainly be only one chosen over the whole course of time and all the the ladies that had ever lived in the land of Judah, only one would be chosen. So the percentages of it being me, and I'm just filling in the word there, would be very small, wouldn't it be? Be a small number. But even to go further than that, there's several things that would disqualify a Jewish woman. First, the prophecy said Jesus Christ would be virgin born. That narrows down our list very greatly in this sense. Godly women we read of in the days of Christ. We have Elizabeth, mentioned in Luke chapter 1, part of this uh, passage that we're studying here. Elizabeth was a godly woman. That's Mary's cousin. We have Anna, which if you go a little further into chapter number 2, you run into Anna, uh, a widow who stayed in the temple. She had been a widow for 84 years, but she had been married for seven. 
being married took away the miraculous part of a virgin birth. For one thing, it really didn't matter the age to tell the truth, because after all, Elizabeth was at old age when she conceived, and as God said, nothing is impossible with him. So, with all the Jewish women who were married, widowed, or had been with a man, they were not qualified. They were not qualified. So it leaves us with many candidates. Prophecy also called for the Jewish woman to be one of the tribe of Judah. Now we're down to one-twelfth of the population. Of all the ladies available who were still virgins, who were of the Israelites of the tribe of Judah, we're down to one-twelfth. And still there's still many choices to make. Let's consider God's particular choice. As we saw in this verse, Mary mentions her humble state. Back up to chapter 1, verse number 28, just a few verses before. When the angel greets Mary, he says this, And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now that's a great way to start this uh, conversation. Favored one. A favored one is, Actually, the same word again, that that word grace is wrapped up into. Endowed with grace is the word that uh, was found in my commentary. Endowed with grace. Now, either that means she took ballet lessons as a little girl, or that God's grace-filled favor was upon her. I prefer the second one. She's a favored one. And then it says, the Lord is with you. Even the word is is added, by the way. My text has it in italics. Because it just says, the Lord with you. Which is an interesting little expression. Because um, it doesn't say the Lord was with you. As if maybe things have changed. Or the Lord will be with you. As if maybe he's going to catch up and, and be a part of this as it goes on. But the fact is that it suggests he's with her right now, doesn't it? The Lord with you. So here she's a favored one, and the Lord is with her. Now, hold those thoughts for a minute. Scan down to verse number 30. A little bit further down the page. And what do we see here? The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. You know, that construction of the sentence is almost identical to the one given to Noah. Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. This one says, Mary found favor with God. It's the same verb that's going on here. Noah was marked with righteousness, with blamelessness, and the fact that he walked with God. Are we stretching it too far to say that was Mary too? Let's add some more to this. Elizabeth comments, chapter 1, here in verse number 39. Now at this time Mary rose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her room, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greetings reached my ear, 
the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. What's her comment? Verse 42, blessed are you among women. Let's see. Mary's just entered the door. She had just walked into the place. There was no time for coffee and a good chat. She didn't reach her on Facebook and tell her what was going on. There were no emails or texts going back and forth. How did Elizabeth know this was what she should say as Mary entered the house? Well, we saw it. It was in verse number... No, I just lost it. I know I saw it. Okay, hang on. Oh, wrong page. 41. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now stop for a minute and think what that's saying. This is the Holy Spirit's testimony through Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit said, she is blessed by God. The Holy Spirit said this as well in verse 45. She believed God's word. She believed it. This is the one who finds favor with God. The one who God regards, pays attention to, a special attention in that. Those who are in a humble state. I've defined humble for you a little bit here this morning. One who is righteous. One who is blameless. One who walks with God. One who believes His word. One who has been favored by Him. One who is blessed. That's a humble person. To get a full picture of that statement, let's look at the opposite form. Let's talk about the proud. Let's talk about those whom the Lord opposes. That verse in Proverbs 3, again, where it says he scoffs at the scoffers, where he's opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. To scoff at something is to mock it. If you go back to Psalm chapter 1, you'll find the, the nature of those who mock are those who are part of the counsel of the wicked. They are standing in the path of sinners. They are sitting in the seat of the mockers. The scoffer has listened to his wicked advisors. The scoffer has believed them and began to walk down their way. The scoffer becomes comfortable in sin and sits down there. There he now advises the next group of foolish ones who come along. Quite a scene, isn't it? Yet it's the Lord who's declared that the wicked have no place to stand in the judgment. He also goes on to say, they have no place with the righteous either. They shall be cut off like chaff which the wind drives away. Powerful little chapter, Psalm number 1. Defines the mocker very well. I think we should take these warnings to heart. The Lord is opposed to the proud. He is opposed to the proud. He always has been. He always will be. He stands in battle gear against the proud. He raises his sword against the proud. He despises those who turn away from the truth, 
who mocks his word, who scorns his grace and mercy, who settles themselves in the paths of sin, who sits there. He despises that. His wrath was kindled against Lucifer, if you remember, on the day pride was found in him. His wrath was kindled against Nebuchadnezzar on the day he claimed by his own wisdom and his own power he had created Babylon. His wrath was kindled against Herod. Not the same Herod that we read of in the first part of Luke, but later in the time of the book of Acts. Herod is the one who one day wrapped himself in his royal robe and began an oration that left the people yelling, It's a voice of a God, not of man! And Herod was glorying in the moment, and immediately the Lord struck him with worms. He was consumed from the inside and died. Ugly scene, isn't it? Now please do not think for a minute that these characteristics are that of an angry Old Testament God, one who's a little irrational and prone to fly off the handle. As some people portray that kind of character to be. This is the character of a righteous God. A righteous God who will not share His glory with anyone. He will not. When a man stands in his own strength, he's mocking God. When a man stands or plans by his own wisdom, he is mocking God. When a man conducts his life by his own will, he is mocking God. For the Lord has said, trust in me with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me, and I will direct your path, right? That's what he said to do. Anything else, everything else, is less than what he's called us to do. I would even say this, that anything less is the same as scoffing at the Lord. If we do not trust him like he's called us to do. We are told to believe, to trust. That's a picture of our humbleness. But anything else is pride. Anything else is pride. Pride in self. God is opposed to the proud. The warning we really ought to take to heart. It doesn't matter if this is in one man. It doesn't matter if this is a whole generation. It doesn't matter if it's a nation or this nation's leader. The statement is true for every generation all the way through history. This is what it says right after that phrase in Proverbs. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked and he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. You live in one or the other. Which house is yours? Now, what kind of woman would Mary have been to have been favored by the Lord? What kind of character can we read into this? Just a poor peasant or a woman of faith? A woman who believed God a woman who was righteous and blameless and walked with God. Am I reading too much into the one God would choose to carry the Messiah? 
Would you have selected somebody else? Folks, this is what Mary said here in this verse. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. Consider the fact that she's not contradicting herself by saying, from this time on, all generations shall count me blessed. She wasn't saying, hey everybody, look at what I just did. She wasn't saying, make me a statue. She wasn't saying, start praying to me. Don't, don't forget to worship while you're at it. She did not do that. She would not have contradicted that first phrase, would she? If she's humble, if she's righteous, if she's blameless, if she obeys the word of the Lord, why would she promote herself in the next thought? And all of a sudden pride starts to ooze from the page. There's a phrase we say often, and I guess we could put it down here in this sense. Mary would turn in her grave if she would hear what people have done with her now. They have made the exact opposite of her character in every aspect. To say that you're blessed, as Mary has done here, to say that you're blessed means that you know where the source of the blessing comes from. You're not taking credit for being blessed. And blessed is not coming from man, it's coming from who? It's coming from the Lord, it's coming from God. God is the one who blesses even this morning, folks, here you are, saved by God through Jesus Christ. Guess what you are? Blessed. You are blessed. Shall we make you a statue? Shall we start praying to you? Shall we worship you? But are you not blessed because the Lord's favor is upon you? Now, how were you found? How was I found? Scripture says, dead in our trespasses and sin. Now that's a favorable condition. That's the way he's found us. See, we weren't blessed because of us. Not because of what we brought to the table. No. This is merely God's mercy, folks. This is what God has done. Because of his great love for you, he has blessed you. He saved you, Scripture says. You're made alive in Jesus Christ. You like these things? He's raised you up with Him. He's forgiven your sins. He's made you a new person in Jesus Christ. He made you His son. He has made you His bondservant. He has made you His friend. He walks with you. He indwells you. He guides you. He protects you. He provides for you. He plans for you. He leads you down the path that finishes at His very throne. That's where you will find fellowship with Him that will last for all eternity. You have been blessed. You have been blessed. And how do we respond to such things? Is Mary's thoughts too much for us to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. My heart, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Can we not echo the same words? In the humble state of our heart, we can magnify the Lord. 
For we have been chosen by God to be his bond slaves. Now, I know we will never get the same special role that Mary had been given in God's plan to present Messiah. And that's fine with me. I didn't want that role anyway. But I can enjoy the same Lord that Mary knew. I've been blessed beyond my ability to communicate it. The Savior she was chosen to bear is the Savior that chose me. So let's take a moment of evaluation. Ready? To whom is the Lord opposed? The proud. Is that you? Is that me? Do we have our little suitcase of pride we carry along with us and pop it open at the right moment to display ourselves? People say it's kind of silly to picture one walk down the street with a portrait of themselves holding it up for everyone to look at. But how often might we be likely to do such a thing? Promotion of ourselves and the pride that we are so easily falling into to do things on our own strength, by our own wisdom, according to our own will. To whom does the Lord give grace? It says to the humble, right? To the humble. Is that you? Is that me? Is this uh, what we have come to know? That God gives grace to the humble? I don't think anything humbles me more than seeing the great love of my God that He should send His Son to die for me. And He did, didn't He? It's humbling to know somebody died for my sins. But he did. Do you know that love? That's the humble person. Not only the one who hears the message, but believes what God has told them. They believe it. Do you know that love? Do you know how he demonstrated that love for you? You see it so clearly in Scripture. Even while we were still sinners, it says, Christ died for us. We hope, I guess, every year to see the, the greatest of gifts at Christmas time, and yet the greatest gift was already given. And for some here today, and I, I don't doubt that there might be some among us, that gift is still untaken. All that I've said about the grace of God and His favor, surely you long for that, don't you? Surely you want to step and walk in the way of God. Surely you want to have His favor rest on you, don't you? Would you rather be stood against? Would you rather know that His anger is aimed in your direction? Would you rather walk under the wrath and condemnation of God? Or would you rather receive His favor and His grace and His forgiveness and His love? The options sit right there before us. There are two. Two to choose. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And it might be you that needs to hear it today. 
might be you that needs to make that decision even right now. I wouldn't take another minute to stand in my pride. I wouldn't think another minute by my own wisdom or by my own strength or by my own will that somehow I'm going to convince God I belong in heaven. He will oppose you every single step and that for all of eternity. Instead, he offers a gift. What a contrast! He offers a gift to us. The gift of the Savior who gave his life so that we could be made right with God. That's what he's given to us. Have you taken the gift? I appeal to you today. I know many of you so well. And I know where you stand with the Lord. And that fills my heart. But I'm concerned about some who may not. May not know who he is. There's no better time to find God's grace to the humble than to turn to him right now. And you can. As we go into prayer, talk to him. It's wonderful. He says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can do that. Change you forever. I trust you will. If you're one of those. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we are overwhelmed with your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for what you have done to bring us into a relationship with you. That you should look upon us and favor us is just astounding and yet so precious, so wonderful, so glorious to know. Thank you. Lord, there are hearts here today that are very much in need. Perhaps one, maybe two, maybe several who have been living on their own way thinking their own thoughts, doing their own thing, hoping that somehow they will make things right with God, when all the while they didn't realize that they were standing in opposition to Him. Their pride, He will not receive them that way. He has called them to humble themselves before a cross, to realize that they're helpless and hopeless and dead in their sins, and right now they need the Savior. And if somebody might hear that message today, Lord, do your great work, and change them for all eternity. Change that heart. Make it pliable in your hands. Draw it to yourself. Show them your great love. May they embrace the Savior. May they know that they are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. May it be accomplished in our midst, Lord. We ask, we pray. For those of us who know it well, we rejoice. And we magnify our Lord. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.